Hey, welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Sydney DeLorean. That's me. I'm here today to talk to you about exhibitionism. Ooh, people who like it when other people watch. I want to dedicate this episode to my friend and sometimes co-host and notorious exhibitionist, Rob Love, at Rob Love's Beard on Twitter. Go ahead and at him and ask him questions about what it's like to do it in public. <laughs> Uh, this episode is sponsored by da- uh, Diet A&W Root Beer because dicks don't burp on themselves. That's right. If you have a dick or you want to burp on a dick, you need to get some Diet A&W because that is the elixir that's going to bring on the burps, which bring on the cum. And uh, last bit of business, I hate having too many ads at the front or end of a show. Whatever. Fuck ads. I'm not making any money. But... I want to remind you that we do have a Patreon. It is $1 a month. We do a lot of great stuff over on there. We have Rob Love Raw, which is episodes that Rob Love wouldn't want his employer to hear. We have Scott McNulty Uncensored. And we also have the uh, early release of Decency with DeLorean episodes. They come out two weeks earlier on Patreon uh, before they go over on the main feed for Decency with DeLorean. And we got some great stuff coming up on Patreon. Uh, Most importantly, Rob Love and I are going to do mushrooms and record an episode. So if you want to hear Rob Love and I shrooming, Subscribe to Patreon, $1 a month. It can't be beat. Um, Our friend Jay Mayo just uh, switched his podcast, Hold the Mayo, over to Patreon. So I'll give him a shout out. You can subscribe to Hold the Mayo, but only if you're subscribed to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality first, because it's only a dollar, guys. Let's do it to it. Um, All right. So I'm researching exhibitionism which I only thought of is when you like other people to watch. So um, I was thinking about people who go to sex clubs or who, you know, like to fuck at parties. I was thinking of Nina Hartley's character from Boogie Nights. Remember how she just was like always fucking at every party? And then uh, what's his name? William H. Macy, her husband, was always like, where's my wife? And then he would find her and she just had all these dicks in her. So I was thinking... I mean, that character kind of was a nympho, I guess. She just had to get it. And um, maybe more so a nympho before an exhibitionist. But as we're going to find out, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, Anyway, so I was thinking that. Also, allegedly during one of the scenes, Nina Hartley, because she is a porn actress, was actually having sex and got in big trouble because uh in Hollywood in like a, you know a union whatever the fuck a SAG production you can't fuck you can't fuck sex scenes have to be faked it is I think it's illegal to actually fuck on set and so Nina Hartley was actually fucking and her response was oh this is kind of easier we're supposed to be having sex we're having sex like whatever um very liberated woman so anyways That's what I thought of as exhibitionism is like particularly couples who like when other people watch them fuck. They're the ones who are going to have sex in the hot tub at a hotel pool and make their uh, waitress, which was me, uh, 
come have them sign the check while they're actually intercoursed. And that was very uncomfortable for me. And I think they didn't have a problem with it. <sighs> um, I'm a little bit uptight about public sex. <laughs> and by that, I mean, I'm a lot uptight about it. Um, but anyways, as I'm researching, I discovered like most of the resources I could find about exhibitionism were in reference to a mental disorder. So I'm going to walk you through the mental disorder, which is known as exhibitionistic disorder. And then we'll get into, if you have these urges, the healthy way to uh, engage in exhibitionism. Because listen, we're a sex positive show. Sex is in our title. So if you want people to watch, that's super dope. I used to, when I was um, going to school for our photography and video, I thought it would be really cool if I started a business where I filmed like boudoir photographs, but like actual porn for couples. Like, so if they wanted to have like basically make home porn, but with like a higher production quality, you know, like a nice theme set, good lighting, nice editing, I could do that for them. Um, because I think boudoir photography is very popular. A lot of women will get boudoir photographs done as a gift to their spouse, but what if they could do those together? Um, I also was a lot more liberated when I was in art school. I think I was pushing a lot more boundaries, um, also experiencing a lot of manic episodes, which tend to make one hypersexual. So, so now would I want to uh, photograph people having sex? Maybe if they're paying me, let's be honest. Like if you got a check, I got a talent, but I don't, I wouldn't seek that out because I think I'm a lot more uptight sexually now. Um, things I guess they change. Number one, when you stop experiencing mania, uh, you don't have those like wild hypersexual episodes, but also um, having a disease that made my pelvis uh, be in crippling agony. Uh, I think a little bit disconnected me from sex. I digress, but let's be honest, you came here for the oversharing. Uh, so exhibitionistic disorder is a mental disorder that causes a person to expose their sexual organs or genitals to other people, usually people they've never met and are not expecting it. And this is according to the American Psychiatric Association. Uh, exhibitionists get sexual enjoyment from the behavior and, um, it falls under the category of paraphilic disorders. Um, paraphilia means an extreme sexual interest. That's not normal genital situation. And we've covered a lot of those on this podcast, right? Objectophilia, uh, balloon sex. I forget what they called that. Um, those are all paraphilias. Um, and so their extreme continued sexual interest or ongoing fantasies, desires, and behaviors that are sexual. And um, exhibitionistic disorder may begin in late adolescence, early adulthood. It's when your hormones get going. That's when most fucking sexual things emerge, right? You don't have hormones. You're not really fucking worried about it. And then you get hormones and all of a sudden you want to show your dick to people on a bus. Um <clears throat> So the exhibitionist 
almost always male, may obtain gratification from the reaction of disgust or fear on the part of his victim. This is where we get into it. This is why it's a disorder, because it's predatory, because it actually affects other people. It has a negative impact on those around it, which is the difference between a sex positive experience and what would be a sex negative experience or a sexual offense or crime. All right. So, um, but okay. So his reaction of gratification is not always, uh, like, oh, it's not always necessary for him to get a reaction of disgust or fear, uh, to become sexually, uh, excited. Um, and also previously quote unquote normal individuals sometimes turn to exhibitionism following severe mental trauma or personal loss. Uh, or head injury, I've read. The the chronic exhibitionist is likely to have a serious personality disorder. Um, Some experts have said that female exhibitionism is not uncommon, but it's not uh, identified as deviant behavior because there are socially acceptable ways for women to display their bodies. And I don't know if they're talking about being like an exotic dancer or a Snapchat model or um, just like if if I sent uh, an unsolicited um, tit pick to someone, they're not going to have the same reaction as if someone sends me an unsolicited dick pick. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's just more acceptable for women to uh, show their bodies. And women can go, they can go out wearing little booty shorts and teeny little tops. And it's a little bit more acceptable than if a man went to the grocery store wearing Daisy Dukes and a crop top. Although I'm here for that. I think, I've always said, sorry guys, you can hear Ralphie um, because he's my co-host today. Um, So I have always said that men the average man has better legs than the average woman. So I think it's doing everyone a disservice that women are the ones who are supposed to be wearing short shorts, short skirts, and men wear just pants or they wear these basketball shorts down to their knees. It just doesn't make sense because men have uh, more muscle mass. They usually have better toned legs. Hike them up, gentlemen. Let us see those stems. Uh, (laughs) There's a healthy way to practice exhibitionism. Go to your Safeway or uh, your Vons or your Kroger, whatever you have regionally, and wear some shorty shorts and um, see what happens. So anyways, according to the uh, DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, um, and they're currently on the fifth edition, Um, It says that although individuals who have the disorder have a pattern of sexual conduct called exhibitionism, not all exhibitionists are classified with the diagnosis. And the TSM-5 wants to make sure the definition of exhibitionistic disorder is not the same as the definition of exhibitionism. And so there's our turning point, right? Because I wanted to do an episode about exhibitionism, but obviously exhibitionistic disorder we got to clear, we got to clear that away out front because that is actually a problem. That's, it's a whole, it's, I mean, I I don't want to say it's a whole reason why I left New York, but I would say 50% of the reason why I left New York and came back home is there was just so much unsolicited dick that I saw while living there. And I didn't know how to deal with it or process it. I feel like if it were me now, I think guns are illegal in New York, but I would probably get some sort of like, I don't know, 
flame thing, some sort of blowtorch, and I would just let light these wieners on fire um, because there's just so much unsolicited dick that was whipped out or they try to rub it on you on the subway, and I just was like, I can't. I don't know how to process this. I'm furious and I'm scared and I want to go back home where I can commute in my car where I have never seen a dick I didn't ask for in my car. So I know people like Rob Love, notorious exhibitionist Rob Love, will criticize car culture because he's a bicycle boy, but you never see a dick you didn't ask for while inside your personal vehicle. So anyways, uh, so, okay, what am I doing? Why are my notes double? I double posted the same thing in my outline. So that's okay. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Oh, th- this one article says that on on the topic of women also being exhibitionists, possibly at the same rates that men are, but it being more socially acceptable, uh, this one article says that new research suggests that there are women who also use exhibitionism as a way to rebel against societal expectations that women should be sexually passive and receptive. Um, so, okay, let's think of an example of this. Like, is this a woman who uh, she's wearing she's she's wearing her sexuality like a suit of armor and it is intimidating when you see a woman who is like a sexual being in a totally brazen, unapologetic way. Um, so I guess that's what it is. It's a, it's a rebellious activity. Um, yeah, I know women who use their sexuality as a weapon. I probably at points in my life did as well. I certainly used it as a weapon to hurt many men. Um, but they were asking for it. So anyway, most instances of exhibitionism are never reported to authorities. The act itself qualifies as an incident of indecent exposure, a misdemeanor crime whose punishment varies greatly by region. Because I know like, Okay, if you pee in public, that can be indecent exposure. It's a sex act. And it's really shameful that public urination is criminalized or – like it's in the same criminal category as actually like knowingly show your showing your wiener to someone. Like because I have like – okay, out in the suburbs of Phoenix, I had a friend who lived very far away. And I was hanging out with her on her side of town. And we're like – it's like suburban cookie cutter hell. Like everything's a tan cube and it's the same cube because it's like manufactured housing or whatever. Um, And this guy out in suburban hell, like literally standing on the side of the road in a trench coat, like way to be a stereotype, bro. (laughs) It's like a cartoon flasher, but he's wearing a trench coat and he's just pulling on his soft dick like while looking at traffic. Um, and that is for sure indecent exposure. And so some guy who's pissing outside of a discotheca should not be punished as a sex offender the same way that guy is, but he will be because I once had to go to court for some sort of car offense, like expired tags, or I think it was like, uh, I got pulled over and I had left my purse at home and because I'm an idiot and uh so I got a ticket for not having my license on me but I had to go to court to clear it whatever and the guy who was called to the judge in front of me was being prosecuted literally because he was drunk outside of a discotheca and he took a piss and 
they threw the book at him because he's brown. Um, he was an immigrant from Mexico. And they then like convicted him of indecent exposure. And now I guess when he moves to neighborhoods, he has to tell people that he's a sex offender all because he had to take a fucking piss. Um, which is cruel, which is fucking cruel. Hey, hey, cities, if you want to prosecute public urination with the same punishment as indecent exposure, I believe that first what you need to do is provide ample amounts of public restrooms so that people have the option of peeing indoors. It's the same way that cities like, okay, I can't speak for every city across the country, but I know Arizona and I know Southern California. And in Southern California, they actually cannot like prosecute homeless people for camping on the side of the road unless that city has a certain number of homeless shelter beds per like based on the percentage of population. So um, in Orange County, where particularly Anaheim, uh, Anna crime, am I right? They have a large homeless population and they all of fucking California looks like Mad Max. If you are listening from somewhere else, which I can tell by my stats, you probably are. Let me describe California to you. Mad Max. So, so they, but they can't do anything about these people. And they're like, basically like tent cities until they provide housing. So it took like two or three years and like millions of dollars for Anaheim to build the homeless shelters. And then they could start saying, Hey, you can't sleep here. We can give you a ride to a homeless shelter. Like you can move. We have beds for you that aren't here. And then tourists can walk to Disneyland without like smelling someone with shit in their pants. Um, this is an episode about exhibitionism and I apologize because I think I forgot that. I just, you put a nickel in my slot and I'm off to the races. So, um, okay, this is where it comes back to what I said earlier about sex hormones and you get your hormones, you get horny, you become an exhibitionist. Okay, in many cases, exhibitionists are hypersexual, which would be Nina Hartley's character in Boogie Nights. Just a straight up motherfucking dick pig. Has to get it, needs to get it. It is not a want. It is a necessity. So um, exhibitionists are hypersexual in that they exhibit high rates of various sexual behaviors, which may explain their desire to participate in this behavior. I would also argue why probably men are um, exhibitionists in higher numbers, contrary to the study that says that women uh, might also be exhibitionists if they wear a low-cut low blouse, they're an exhibitionist. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to the older sentiment that men are exhibitionists at higher uh, percentages because men tend to have a higher sex drive because testosterone. Testosterone is a hell of a drug. It will make you horny. It will make you fuck. It'll make you aggressive. You can talk to any woman who has had a hormonal imbalance that has caused her to have higher levels of testosterone. Not only does it make you want to get it, it makes you like go out and put in the effort to seek out and achieve it um, because testosterone makes you more assertive and more decisive and yada, yada, yada. 
So I would argue that that's why men are exhibitionists at higher rates is because they have a higher sex drive than women and they have this hormone that also makes them more aggressive. So they would be more likely to be like, oh, I'm going to whip my dick out at a stranger. Um, And I read somewhere, I guess we'll get to it later in my notes, that a lot of exhibitionists, they think that this is flirting. In the same way that men now think if they send you a dick pic, like that's their way of flirting. Like, I really like this chick. I think she's really cool. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to send her a picture of my dick. And then that's their way of flirting. Well, the pre-technology way of doing that would be just to flash your dick at a subway platform of women and assume that one of them is going to be like, ooh, a dick. Let me sit on it. Uh, So... (laughs) I can't wait for someone to isolate that clip of my vocals uh, and do something with it. So, um, so yeah, exhibitionists are generally hypersexual. Um, studies do show that exhibitionists are no more aroused by self-exposure than they are by other sex acts, meaning that, okay, Generally in a paraphilia, that is the thing that gets you hornier than anything else. So like if you have a balloon popping paraphilia, um, that the touch, the feel, the rubbing of balloons, like that's going to get your, you harder and wetter than like anything else. Um, but apparently exhibitionists like showing their dick to a subway platform of people or, um, I don't know, making out with someone in an alleyway, like those are equally arousing to them. So it's not like, oh, I need to expose myself to strangers to become sexually aroused or come to sexual completion. It's just another one of their smorgasbord of sexual things. Um, which almost is like grosser to me in a way, because every time I've seen someone like exposing themselves in public or doing something gross, I just assume like that was their kink. That was their only thing. And now I'm learning that that is on equal footing with everything else, which means that like at a certain point, this person's whole day is like horny sexual experiences. They don't just jerk off in a park and then they move on with their life. There's other things too that are going to turn them on. And that is, it's just too much. It's just too much. It's too horny. It's excessively horny. So, um, okay. So they're no more aroused by self-exposure than they are by other sex acts. In fact, exhibitionists often misinterpret their victim's shocked reaction as a form of reciprocated sexual interest. I cannot. I cannot. This is what, just string them up in the gulags. Like, okay. You whip your your dick out in a public space and women look at you with disgust and you interpret that as reciprocated interest? That's dangerous. That's fucking dangerous. The fact that you can so misread the crowd that you would interpret someone's disgust as interest. And I hope I have it later in my notes. I believe that exhibitionists are more likely to commit sexual assault. So that would go on the same wavelength, right? That they don't, they don't fucking understand consent. Obviously, they don't understand consent. They're showing their genitals to unconsenting people and interpreting their shock and disgust as reciprocated interest. Go fuck yourself, you fucking tard. All right. So 
symptoms of exhibitionistic disorder from the DSM-5. The DSM-5 provides the following symptoms of exhibitionistic disorder. The behaviors occur over a time of time period of six months. So obviously you can't do one thing once and then all of a sudden you've got a disorder. It's got to be an ongoing thing. The behavior is repeated and the result is extreme sexual arousal when showing genitals to strangers. The behavior makes the individual very distressed, which again, that's always the thing about is something just a personality trait or is it a disorder? Is it causing a problem in your life? So, okay. And that's how you know if you're a fucking addict, right? Or, or if if your drinking is causing problems in your life, you might be an alcoholic. If your drinking isn't causing any issues, you're not getting into fights, you're not drunk driving, it's not fucking up your job, you probably aren't an alcoholic. Um, but you can dr- quit drinking anyways because it's it'll make you fat. Um, so anyways, okay. Uh, symptoms of exhibition disorder. It'll make the individual distressed. Social career and or everyday life is disrupted. When the person is examined, other mental and physical illnesses are ruled out. Okay. So it couldn't be anything else. It can only be this disorder. Uh, checkup must take into account if the individual is abusing substances, because if you're doing like meth, which that, that'll make you act crazy that it it might, it'll, you can never tell someone's mental or physical illness if they're always under the influence of substances, which is why when people go into residential treatment, they dry them out first before they start trying to diagnose it, which is the right way to do it. Unlike in a normal doctor setting where you go in, you meet with a doctor for 20 minutes, they diagnose you, they write you a prescription. They don't know your fucking life. So, you know, they're like, you could go and go, I'm really depressed and I just, I'm tired. My energy levels, blah, 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 blah. And they don't see that like, okay, are you sleeping? Are you drinking water? How are you eating? Are you working out? What's your job like? What's your home? Like all the factors that could lead to a like, organic sense of quote-unquote depression they just you fill out an inventory they're like yeah you're depressed as fuck um and as a little aside because my name is in the title of this show uh I struggled with depression for years and years and years and years and I am five or six weeks post excision surgery for my endometriosis and thus far it is like the blanket of depression has lifted. And it's almost like having a disease that I was born with that activated over time that released inflammatory compounds into my body caused depression because depression can be caused by inflammation and inflammation can be caused by disease or lifestyle or diet. And if you take away those things, anyways, I also, I mean, Two years ago, I started taking fish oil supplements because I got genetic testing that said I don't have the gene to convert plant omega-3s into the usable type um, versus animal omega-3s such as the ones found in fish are bioavailable. And I will say this to any vegan as someone who was vegan for over 20 years and apparently got no omega-3 during that time period. I see all these things saying, oh, here's how you get omega-3 from plants. Not only 
is it apparently not common to have the gene to convert those to the bioavailable form, but also the conversion rate is really, really small. So if you consume, let's say, 10 milligrams of, um, uh, it's, it's a 5% conversion rate is what I'm trying to say. So if you consumed 100 milligrams of plant omega-3, you're only absorbing five if you have the gene to convert. So just take some fucking fish oil, everyone. If you don't want to eat fish, that's fine. Fish are fucking gross. I don't want to eat fish. I don't want to eat animals. And I didn't for 30 years. But here we are. Take some omega-3s. They're great for your brain. They're great for bringing down inflammation. Uh, Miley Cyrus got a lot of flack because she said on the Joe Rogan show that she's not vegan anymore because she went to she she's rich. She can go to all these doctors, and she went to a neurologist who was showing her how her brain was functioning and how she probably needed to be getting omega-3s. And now she eats fish. And people were like, oh my God, she's such a traitor. She eats fish. Uh, how dare she put her personal health in front of fucking fish? Um, what was I talking about? Oh, 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 oh. The um, the symptoms of exhibitionist disorder. I hope people find this as charming as I do. Um, I'll tell you what. There are people who are they, you know, they use an economy of words. They're short and to the point. That ain't me. That ain't me. Okay, so um, okay, so they need to make sure that uh, they don't have any other mental or physical illness before they can, can like definitively say you have exhibitionist disorder. Um, the degree of distress the individual feels about his behavior, as well as his feelings about the victim of his behavior, must be considered. So. The person could say, I don't have a problem. I'm not bothered by the fact that I show my dick in public. But um, if the vic if there are victims, then it's still a problem. Um, and the final diagnostic criteria for exhibitionist disorder is the person displays his ex I like that they too, they just don't even say there. They say his. And a lot of times I've I've converted to the general neutral pronoun of there in my rewriting of this, but the sources all just say his. They're like <laughs> when speaking about the the person with exhibitionist disorder, they're like, it's a dude. Like, let's be real. Dudes are fucking gross. It's a dude. Okay, the last diagnostic criteria is the person displays his exhibitionistic behavior to a person who uh who is the inability wait what oh oh okay his his behavior is geared towards showing it to a person who does not permit or agree to it i don't i i think i wrote that weird i dude i fucking i'm back to working like i'm not gonna complain i'm back to working 60 hours a week so when i write these notes it's like in snippets you know in the morning and late at night and sometimes i don't make sense to myself um, okay. Exhibitionistic disorder occurs throughout an individual's life and has a high rate of relapse. The behavior is found to be hard to modify and or control. So unfortunately, there are those mental illnesses where there just doesn't seem to be a, a very good uh, therapeutic protocol. I think like with a lot of the sex related criminalities, you know, pedophilia, all that, they just, they just, and they can volunteer, the patient can volunteer to become chemically castrated which will then deaden his sex there. It could be a woman, 
but it's not. Um, it, it will deaden their sexual uh, desires and therefore they will not engage in the criminal sexual behavior. It's, it's just like when your dog, if you have a dog that likes to run away and I'll use Franken as, a, as an example. Because I didn't get Frank uh, neutered till he was six. I really didn't want to because his personality was so perfect. I was so worried about changing it. Also, he had these giant nuts and he liked to sit like a meerkat and he would use his nuts as a kickstand and it just seemed really ha- like fun for him and I didn't want to take that away from him. Um, but uh, I eventually got him neutered because dogs live longer if you neuter them and I wanted Frank to live forever because we're soulmates. So... Um, So anyways, the only bad behavior that Frank ever had before he was neutered is that he would dig out from under our fence. So we had block walls in the yard, but then like a wooden gated fence, you know? So I don't know how houses are where you're at, but everyone in Arizona has an RV gate. So you have a wooden fence on the side of your gate so you can get into the backyard. And Frank's jam was digging out from under that, or if we were somewhere that had like a... I don't know, like a chain link fence, like not a brick wall, he would try to dig out from under it because what he wanted was coos. And he would run around the neighborhood looking for coos. And then I got him neutered and he never tried to dig out from under a fence ever again because we nipped it in the nuts. So that's kind of, I think, what chemical castration does for people with uh, sexual inclinations that are criminal. Um... Exhibitionists are usually not dangerous, although the experience is frequently perceived by the victim as threatening. Um, one source says that violence or, or sexual assault seldom follows the display, although I know that others would argue that the display is in fact sexual assault, but I think they mean physical sexual assault. Um, In a Swedish survey, 2.1% of women and 4.1% of men admitted to becoming sexually aroused from the exposures of their genitals to a stranger. Sweden. Am I right? Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's showing that it's a a two-to-one male-to-female ratio of people who are interested in doing this. Um, Let's see. (laughs) I don't know why I copied this quote, I think, just because I thought it was funny. It says, exhibitionism is the act of exposing in a public or semi-public context those parts of one's bodies that are not normally exposed. For example, the breasts, genitals, or buttocks. I think I just was – I'm 12 and I thought breasts, genitals, or buttocks was really funny. Um, let's see. The term exhibitionist was first used in 1877 by French physician and psychiatrist Charles Le Seguier. I don't know. Y'all, I need to learn how French is pronounced. Like, I don't want to speak French, but just so when I see a French word, I can say it without embarrassment. I grew up in Arizona. We learned Spanish. I got no problem. You show me a Spanish word, I can say it out loud. But the French words... I don't, I don't fucking know. So uh, yeah, imagine me trying to ask for directions in, um, in Louisiana where everything is French. I'd just be like, it's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Um, anyways. Okay. Uh, there's a new term for when you send, when you unsolicitedly send nudie pics on the internet and it's called cyber flashing and it involves flashers sending pictures of their genitals to unsuspecting people. 
Um, cyber flashing is more commonly done by men, which has led to the term unsolicited dick pic. Um, the flashers, often men, see these pictures as a form of flirting. They sure do. Um, chat roulette and chatterbait have become increasingly common forms for like forums for this exhibitionistic behavior. And they're acceptable, right? Because if you get on chat roulette or chatterbait, you're going to see some ding dongs. You're going to see some pussy lips. You're going to see one in someone in a Batman mask, putting a cucumber up their hole. You're going to see it all is what's going to happen when you get on those. Um, but yeah, these are healthy avenues because both parties involved are consenting. Um, studies show that about half of all women have been a victim of exhibitionism at some point in their lives, and a natural reaction for the victim in these scenarios is shock. However, uh, this this is weird advice. Tell me what you think of this, people. Okay, it says, however, it is important to remember that the perpetrators themselves derive pleasure from horror-ridden reactions. The victim's emotional reaction may unintentionally reward the perpetrator and encourage them to continue the practice. It's best to stay calm and walk away if faced with an exhibitionist. If the victim feels comfortable enough, they should report the incident to the police so that similar incidents will not occur with other potential victims. I do agree with that. Um... With cyber flashing, victims should also not respond because this may be seen as showing interest. Okay, here's the thing about them saying, like, don't show shock. It's going to egg them on. It just reminds me of being, like, a little kid and parents are like, don't pay attention to bullies. Just ignore them. Keep your head high. And my mom would always be like, in order to fly with the eagles, you got to survive running with the turkeys. That's what she always told me about junior high, which is actually a pretty dead-on analogy for junior high is running with the turkeys. But I just feel like it puts the onus on the victim to control their response in order to curb the behavior of the perpetrator. And I think that that is putting too much pressure on someone who is in the, the place of a victim. And having been a victim of sexual assault, like physical sexual assault in the form of like violent rape, as well as having had a lot of unsolicited penis in my fucking life, asking a person who is shocked and also scared because I, I don't know, maybe it's not everyone I would like to be. And as I get older, you get more to the point where it's, it's less threatening. You're just like, fucking put your clothes on, put your dick away. But when you're young and scared, like, and also based on how, you know, if you've been sexually assaulted in the past, like penises can be scary. Just seeing them, having it shown to you without you asking, it's an aggressive implement it's a penetrator it's like someone brandishing a gun at you because guess what if someone's like trying to intimidate me and they lift their shirt up to show that they're concealed carrying a weapon I'm supposed to stay calm and walk away in order to like curb their behavior fuck off fuck off when Trump was in town like uh, I think the most recent time there were people protesting him, obviously, because he's a piece of shit. And then all these stupid, uh, what are they calling themselves now, like Proud Boys or whatever, they um, were out there just being fat and dumpy and white in their stupid stained t-shirts. And what they were doing is they were like flashing their concealed carry weapons at the anti-Trump protesters be like, oh, you want to protest my president? I'm just going to casually let you know that I have a gun, which is an act of aggression. It's an act of aggression. That person is being the aggressor. And then you're putting the onus on the victim 
It makes me very mad is what I'm saying. And I think in the realm of flashing, rather than asking the victims like, oh, just, uh, you know, ignore it, walk away, tell an adult, just get your little flamethrower, your little fucking blowtorch, and give them a little zap zap, a little singe singe. And once you smell those burning pubes, I bet you aren't going to show your dick to unwitting strangers anymore. Um, <clears throat> please, dude, can you imagine like all of a sudden there's just a rash of people lighting flashers pubes on fire and then I have to get called into court because I instigated it with my hate speech and it's like, uh, did you or did you not say that people should not report sexual predators to the authorities and they should just set their genitals on fire and I'll be like oh it wasn't me it was the character of Sydney DeLorean the character of Sydney DeLorean said burn their fucking dicks off but I the person Sydney DeLorean would never say those things in the same way that the person Sydney DeLorean does not do drugs it's the character of Sydney DeLorean that does drugs <clears throat> I haven't done that legal disclaimer in a while so we'll put that out there don't come for me. Don't come for me, Popo. Uh, they won't. I'm white. It's whatever. It's all, it's always like white people who are like just openly talking about their drug use. Like, yeah, so like I had a coworker who would like skip into work and just be like, oh my God, I did so many mushrooms last night. I'm still shrooming just to like a bar full of people. And I, I first of all, I'd be like, number one, don't fucking tell these people they do drugs. Like you do drugs because if they have some sort of moral opposition to that, they're not going to tip you. You they you want them to think that you are a sweet baby angel and you spend all the money on responsible adult things and that they should give you lots of money. Um, otherwise, they'll be like, I can't give her money. She's going to spend it on drugs. But like second of all, you're showing your white privilege by just like skipping around and doing a pirouette and being like – illicit drugs I'm full of them check my glove box like anyone who's like that open about their drug use it is because they are of the Caucasian persuasion <sighs> okay there is another definition of exhibitionism that does not describe a paraphilic disorder in the context of pornography and kinky sex Exhibitionism can refer to the act of exposing oneself or engaging in sex play in front of a camera and deriving se extra sexual arousal from the camera's presence, which, let's be real, is, like, really fun. Um, God, guys, in the age of MySpace, I – should I tell you this story? I'll tell you this story. Okay. In the age of MySpace, to my younger listeners, there every, – not everyone had a digital – camera your phone your your cell phone didn't have a camera on it not everyone had a cell phone let alone like cell phones they just didn't have cameras yet so people had digital cameras and there would always be I was like a MySpace scene kid like I had the hair metal mullet it was a thing and there would always be for the different party nights like a photographer there were these people who were like celebrities for being basically MySpace scene photographers. And then it would show up on like the venue's blog the next day. Um, there were lots of blogs in like bigger cities that would be like lastnightsparty.com or whatever. And um, these, these digital photographers were like the cool kids because they decided who looked cool, who was going to show up on the blogs the next day. And so you always wanted to have like your greatest, you know, early aughts, 
fashion on and you wanted to have your big Aquanet hair because you wanted to show up on that vlog. Well, anyways, I hooked up with one of these club photographers and, um, you know, it, it was fun because it was half like we were taking pictures of each other while doing it. It was like we were making our own porn with like this stupid Nikon digital camera and it was super hot because it was almost like, you know, ooh, someone's watching, but it's not. It's just the camera. Um, and then the next day, uh, as I drove home, I was riddled with embarrassment because I realized that now this person has all these photographs of me. And I, <laughs> I messaged him. I think through MySpace and said, hey, if you wouldn't mind deleting those photos, that would be cool. And he said, oh, well, don't worry. I, I wasn't going to show them to anyone. Um, so I'm sure those are still out there. <laughs> so exhibitionism um, can be fun, especially when you're just kind of, you know, role playing like, ooh, someone's here, someone's there, whatever. Um, so... Uh, what else? Um, okay. So yeah, you derive extra sexual arousal from the camera's presence and it, it, it's fun. It's, it's role playing, right? Um, if carried out between consenting adults, this form of exhibitionism is perfectly safe and in most cultures legal. Many people even consider it a fun and easy way to spice up their sex lives. Um, it is normal to have exhibitionist thoughts these can be forms of sexual exploration and excitement and to be honest i think a lot of people probably have the fantasy of it um at the very least i think a lot of people like you know having their partner watch them masturbate or whatever because especially if you're sexy like you just need the other person to go i need you to observe how fucking sexy i am and i need you to be in awe of how fucking sexy i am um and I think it's important because uh, a lot of women spend their time being insecure about their bodies or whatever. And uh, I like the idea of just having ownership and being like, no, I am shockingly gorgeous and you are lucky to be in the same room with me, let alone the same room with me undressed. Um, so, uh, so yeah, these are, there is healthy sexual exploration. Um, if the thoughts become distressing to you or start affecting to the lives of others, it becomes a problem. Uh, and if it comes an issue, uh, look into psycho uh, or behavioral therapy. Um, but it can be helpful to discuss your thoughts and concerns with a therapist and figure out avenues that would be safer and healthier than exhibitionism. Um, moreover, finding communities of exhibitionists may provide beneficial as well, which would be like sex clubs and swinger clubs. I forget what we were watching where like they were at a sex club and Zach was like, whoa, damn, like they're acting like there's one. Of, oh, we were watching this stupid, terrible show, Banshee, that we watched all of, like, all five seasons in a week. Um, and there was, like, this underground goth, like, bondage sex club. And Zach's like, yeah, like, there would be one of those in that town. Like, there's not even one of those in Phoenix. I go, yeah, there is. <laughs> um, I haven't been, obviously, but, like, I've had friends go. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we have we have sex clubs. There's sex clubs everywhere. There's fucking perverts everywhere. Um so, yeah, like if you make – if you are an exhibitionist, finding a community of other exhibitionists because then there's no victims involved. Like if you want people to watch you fuck, 
you have willing people who will want to watch you fuck and then tit for tat you'll watch them fuck and that'll be fun for everyone um you can engage in role play with willing individuals um and you get the experience and the excitement while also not disturbing the lives of others so like yeah basically like get strangers to watch you fuck but they they're people who want to watch you fuck or camming i think is a great thing because I have a girlfriend who's like super into that she was you know a chat roulette chatterbait type person and like that was her thing she wasn't gonna go flash her fucking badge at a bus stop but um she would she would get like you know she's like all horned up she'd get on chatterbait and wear a mask and dance around or do whatever and masturbate and it was fun it was fun and consensual um so uh according to research consecutive conducted by psychologist Justin Lemiller, 81% of men and 84% of women have experienced sexual arousal at the thought of public sex. And I think the reason why that is as, as arousing to women as men is because women want people to appreciate our beauty. Um, and so obviously with public sex, you are having others appreciate your beauty. Um, this Cosmo says, build your comfort with being seen by practicing alone. Dirty dance in the mirror. Watch yourself as you masturbate. Experiment with whatever garments feel sexy for you. Get a sense of your own pleasure is uh, getting a sense of your own pleasure in showing off is key to really enjoying it with another person watching. And I thought that was interesting because I think that I'm like would be more comfortable having other people watch me masturbate than looking in the mirror while I masturbate. I just think that that is something I'm not comfortable with. I don't want to look at myself while I masturbate. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I don't know for me if that would be a warm up to public sex. I one time, this is just embarrassing stories from the year 2008 with Sydney DeLorean. Um, I once, um, when I was living in New York, wanted to send a gift to a friend, wink, wink back home. Like, you know, like one of those friends where like, you're never going to be in a relationship, but when you're both single, you're going to give it to each other. Cause you have really great sex. It's just, there's no, I don't know, you're friends, you have great sex, there's no romance. Little did I know in my 20s that that actually is a great relationship. I just was like, oh, I want to hold out for romance and passion. Um, and what I meant when I was saying those things, I was thinking romance and passion, what I actually meant was uh, psychological abuse because that, it turns out, is what I like misinterpreted for passion was actually being abused. Um <laughs> oversharing um okay so anyways I wanted to send um my friend a gift and I got him like a cute pair of like sexy little briefs like from a gay boutique and what I did was I wore the briefs while like masturbating like with my hand down in the briefs and I turned on my laptop camera to take a picture so I could send this picture I could send the underwear along with the picture to be like, here's some underwear for you and here's what I did in them. I know I'm a great gift giver. But then when I looked at the picture, what I realized was that my O face, like I look a little bit like my mom. And maybe we look a lot alike, but I always thought I look a little bit like my mom. But my O face looks exactly like my mom. Uh <laughs> And I was very upset. And ever since that moment, I've never wanted to um, have uh, any, I, I just don't want to see myself 
during sex. I don't want to um, videotape. I don't want to look in a mirror. I want none of that because, um, yeah, it's just not. It's It just reminds me of my mom, which then I am not. Uh, I'm not. I'm no longer aroused. Okay, so here's some other uh, tips from Cosmo if you think you might be an exhibitionist. Videotape yourself masturbating and share it with your partner. Surprise your partner when they get home from work by walking out naked to greet them. Like in, like what? Like in front of the house? What if you have an HOA? You're going to get a fine. I don't know. Um, Have sex in public places that don't break the law, like a bathroom at a friend's house. Fair. I feel like that was every party I was at as a teenager is you just like went in a room and fucked. I don't... I don't think I've done that since turning 20. Um, The alleyway behind Chopper John's. Yeah, sure. But like, (laughs) who hasn't? Um, uh, Engage in sexual activities against a window in your swimming pool and in your balcony. I do not like those. I'm just going to be honest with you. I do not like those suggestions because when you do those, it's going back to the whole criminal aspect of exposing yourself to unwitting people. So... If you're fucking on the balcony of your apartment complex, people are going to see you who didn't ask to see that. And also some of them might be children, which is not okay. So I don't really like that. I think the best way to engage in exhibitionism is honestly via social media and technology, like your Snapchats, your OnlyFans, and and then you're making money for it. If you want to show your pieces, start an OnlyFans and you can be really creative and inventive. It's a great outlet for a lot of people, both creatively and sexually, and no children are going to see it. Hopefully no children are going to see it and nobody who didn't want to see it is going to see it. So I just feel like it's that. Get into sexting or like whatever. Make homemade porn. Like, you know, you can put it, there's websites and shit for that. Those are all great avenues. I just think like fucking on your balcony where strangers can see you is not, I don't know. I don't think you should do that. What am I? What am I? Your mom? I'm not your mom. I'm your auntie. And, um... So yeah, I guess, uh, you know, on that note, uh, if anyone has any experience with sex clubs, that would be cool. I'd like to talk about that on an upcoming episode. If anyone has any personal experience with, um, and I'm not saying like, oh, we went once, but like, are you like a person where that's what you do is you go to sex clubs or do you go to sex parties? How did you find that scene? whatever like what how did you get tied into an exhibitionist community i'd like to know i'd love to have you on the show um and uh everyone out there have a happy hump day guys bye